If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Happy Wednesday. I want us to pray right quick, again, if we can. Father, we have a president who has been reelected. And Father, we ask for your help for this administration. We ask for your help for all of our governing authorities, the Senate, House of Representatives, God, that truly they can come together on some real issues that will bring this country forward, that will help this nation. And God, that more than anything, that there would be a remembrance of who we are as a nation and why we are the kind of nation that we are, who's, who are endowed hallelujah, by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And Lord, we thank you that it is in God that we trust and we continue to thank you, God, for your blessing upon America. God, what a time for your church to be the church. What a time for us to shine. What a time for us, God, to be strong in the earth. And Lord, we at One Cause Church say yes to you. We yield to you and God, we say use us. Be glorified in us, God. Help us, Lord, lead in the way of righteousness, in the way that of truth, God, in the way of justice. Lord, I thank you that your church is here in the earth, God, to show you, to show you, to show your kingdom, Father. And Lord, we are determined that we will do our part as this church in this city, in this community, Lord, to be your light, to speak your message, God, to, to uh, demonstrate the wonderful works of your gospel. In the name of Jesus, bless our president his family, protect them in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. Praise God. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn over to Philippians chapter 3. We are in part 7 of Philippians. Go ahead and bring that up here, Eric. That'll be fine. I don't want you to have to stand back there all night long. Just lay it here on the stage. It'll be fine. Everybody can see you behind it anyway. We'll use hiding back there. He's a good camel. Uh, I'd like to say a quick hello to um, a guest of ours tonight, a friend of Eric Ortenblatt and his family, uh, Pastor Steve Zwart from Minnesota, is here in uh, this area for a conference, and he came to visit us tonight, so uh, we are really honored to have you, Pastor Steve. God bless you. Thank you for being here. All right. <clears throat> now, Philippians uh, chapter 3, last week we, we went through 1 through 11, and now we're getting to probably my favorite section of Philippians. It's, you know, I, every time I read sections of Philippians, I always say that's my favorite part, but this really is my favorite part until next week when we get to chapter four, of course. But um, this, there's a guest minister who was, who was eloquent with words, and so um, the pastor had him come up and, and uh, pray. And um, as he opened his mouth, he said, great God in heaven, thou art the masterful creator of all that is seen and unseen. The works of thy hands are infinite in splendor and incomparable in beauty. Thou art seated on an everlasting throne, and we are but dust. At that moment, his grand benediction was interrupted by a little girl in the front pew who exclaimed, Mommy, what is but dust? That's good. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. 
Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, I press, verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to say that's a long one thing to do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul teaches us that that is one thing. It's powerful. That means all of them are connected to one another in such a way that it makes one motion or one action or one thing. All right? We're going to see something really beautiful here. I want you to notice the first thing he says in that one thing that he does. And we're going to break that one thing down into three things as it looks like that's what it is. But, you know, God is one thing, and yet he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, isn't he? He is one God. Forget. Everybody say forget. Back at 13, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. Heather and I have three children, and all of them are way past the baby age. We're in the teenage years. And it is a lot more fun when they're in the baby age. They don't talk back to you. They don't have an opinion. I mean, if they have one opinion, if they're hungry, they just cry and you stick a bottle in their mouth. But teenagers got an opinion and then they got another opinion right behind that one and another one. And they are deep with opinions. It's part of growing up, figuring out who you are. We have a 16-year-old, a 14, she'll be 15 in a month and our son will be 12 in December. So he's almost there too. But along their lives, Watching them as babies, I really learned some valuable lessons as a father. Number one, after we had Madeline, never thought I could love a child like that. Never thought that my, my heart could expand like that, but it did. And then when we found out that Heather was pregnant with Laurel, um, I don't know, you were, you were pregnant for like two years there. Um, they were very close together. And, and then when Laurel came... We both kind of talked about the second child. Can we love this child like we love our first one? Is there enough love left in us? And then we found out that our hearts could expand even more for that child. And then when Dylan came along, well, he's a boy. That was easy, you know. But it's funny because when we looked at the sonogram and we saw the extension, um, Heather, Heather uh, said, you didn't smile like that when uh, we saw the other ones on the sonogram. I said, I, I'm not trying to play favorites here. It's just, I'm sorry. We were just happy to have the dude, finally. I could have somebody I could, that could relate to me, and I could relate to him. And in this day and age, him and I have great escapes together. But a baby has a unique ability about it. 
they have an ability to forget. A baby, in the process of learning to walk, first learns how to, you know, flip over from his tummy to his back or back to his tummy. And then to push up on their hands and knees and rock back and forth and hands slide out from under them and watch them crash on the ground and then just begin to crawl and eventually to, to pull up on different pieces of furniture, right? And they always seem to find the hardest piece of furniture to start with, you know, and then they bang their head on that piece of furniture and it seems like at that age they always got little blue marks on their face and you hope that nobody turns you into CPS, but they're just <laughs> learning. They're, it's the process of growing up, holding on and standing on those two feet. During all these phases, there are lots of bumps and bruises along the way, aren't there? Lots of scrapes, a lot of crying. But you never see a baby give up. You never see a baby lose hope. They, they just forget, and they just go right back to it again. They try it again, and they bang, hit the table again, hit the floor, cry a little bit, and you assure them, and then you see them just a few minutes later, doing it again. They just forget. There's an instinct there that is in them, by Almighty God, to try again. His instinct is to overcome, is to get back up. I want to encourage you tonight to look to the baby. Now, we're talking tonight because we're going to, this is going to kind of sum up in verse 15 or 16, 15, I think, about have people that are mature have this mind, Right? But there's a certain maturity in being like a child. Jesus said if you're going to come into the kingdom of God, you've got to come like a child. Now, he didn't say be childish. He said come like a child. That is wonderment of him. Your children hang on your words. There was a time in my life when my kids never questioned me, ever. I said it. They just hung on my own. Not the same anymore, but they'll come back around. All right? But see, this is, what's cool about this is you have this, you have this instinct or you have this nature about you just in the natural. It's in you as a baby to come up, to keep going. But then as a child of God, wow, what a double honor you have. What a double advantage you have that you have his spirit who is in you who is a very present Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Christ, your Savior, thank God, he never quit. He went all the way to that cross, all the way to that grave, all the way out of that grave, and all the way to the Father's right hand. Hallelujah. So, then you have to get to this place where you, you let go of what was before, what happened before, those failures and those disappointments and, and those regrets, the sins, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. It's a nasty one right there. This tree, Eric went outside and pulled this limb off of the tree out there. Now, by the looks of this limb, by the looks of this limb, it's alive. But we all know better than that, don't, don't we? Because uh, it's not connected to that tree anymore. No longer connected to that life source. So in just a few days, this limb, the leaves are going to shrivel up. And um, 
it's going to take on the full measure of death. But for now, it looks alive. Kind of mocks you a little bit, doesn't it? You have unfor- when you choose the moment to forget, that is to f- forgive the sins and the trespasses and the hurts and the pains that others have brought into your life, the moment you do that, the moment you do that, you'll have this tendency to think that the, because the pain is still very real and because the hurt is still very strong there, that you really didn't forgive them. And so then you start battling, oh, God, I guess I didn't forgive them. I still feel this pain. I still feel this hurt. I still have this lava inside me every time this person comes around. But see, faith is where you break that off and you release that person, you release that issue, and just allow time then to begin to heal. You allow, you allow the effect of your faith to manifest, hallelujah, his peace in your life. Forgiveness is a choice. It is not a feeling. Yes. Love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. And so by letting that thing go, in just a matter of time, you will see the effect, the effect of it. Paul said there's something to, there's something to this Christian life that has very much to do with Forgetting things. God forgot. God forgot that you ever sinned. He forgot about it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he did. It says, I will remember them no more. I think that's cool that God has that ability. Now, we have this phrase that we like to say, I can forgive. Go ahead and finish it. But I can't forget. Right? Well, see, God can forget. God has the ability to forget. So he's, he's not like us. He's so much better than us. He's so much greater than us. But we have, so how do we forget this? How, Paul? You're telling us forget those things behind, but I live by the phrase, I can forget, but I cannot forget. You can forget. You can by, watch, here it is. This is all one thing. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That is the proactive, hallelujah, thing to do. This is how you turn from what was back here by reaching for what is up here. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward. Everybody say focus. All right, we forget. Now your focus is on what? It's on that which is ahead. See, your father told you in Jeremiah, and everybody likes this scripture, and I love this scripture too, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, right? Thoughts I have for you. Thoughts not of evil, but of what? Plans to give you a future and a hope. Boy, it's one thing to have a future, but it's another thing to have hope in that future. Right? A future and a hope. So forgetting those things which are reaching forward to those things which are. So there, this, this has to do with focus. One of the dumbest looking animals to walk on the earth is the pigeon. (laughs) 
the pigeon has a funny strut. And it's not, it doesn't strut because it's cool. It doesn't strut because it's got everything working for it. It struts for a very simple reason. You've seen the pigeon walk. I guess I'm going to have to demonstrate it for you. The pigeon takes a step and looks forward. Then he takes another step and his head goes back. So he looks something like this, right? The motion of the pigeon. But there's a reason why the pigeon does that. Because the pigeon has to have these stopping moments so he can focus. Scientists say that he walks faster than he can focus. So he has to jut his head out there and then bring it back. Can you imagine just coming in out of focus all the time? You and I all been guilty of living our lives looking in too many directions. Paul said, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The life of the believer is a life continually focused on what is ahead. Hallelujah. It's not taking the time to bask or to wallow in what once was. And I want to encourage you to live your life today for what is soon coming. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. See, he is your prize. He is your prize. He's the one that we're looking to. He's the future of our lives. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 says, But now Christ has become our high priest of the good things to come. That's why we continue to look forward because we know that good things are coming to us. Amen. That's a, that's a surety that we can have as believers that good things are coming to us. Well, Pastor, you sound like that's all, that's all you expect is good things. <laughs> hey, I'm not an idiot. I know I live in a world where Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. See, that's what we look to. We understand that there are situations that happen in our lives and circumstances that are contrary to us. Bad things happen. Uh-huh. Right? But that is not the end of those who look to him. Because we serve a God who is able to make all grace abound to us. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. So you can know whatever situation you come into, the end is good. That's right. the, the scripture teaches us that Christ gives us the victory. Always. We always have the victory. He leads us in triumph. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I need a good amen there. Amen. Amen. So the scripture teaches us looking unto Jesus, right? Set your mind on things above, not on things other. Rejoice. Jesus told his disciples that your names are written in heaven. Remember, they got all excited because they had, he sent them out. They cast out some devils, and they came back reporting, giving testimony. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said, don't rejoice because of that. That comes and goes. You're not going to cast devils out of everybody every day. So if it's all dependent on that happening, then you're going to have some good days and you're going to have some bad days. But if you'll rejoice that your names are written in heaven, then you can have joy every day through whatever situation. So when the scripture tells us things like that, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. 
knowing that the end is good. Well, how do we do this? How do we focus? We walk by faith and not by sight. I want to read you the amplified version of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. This is beautiful. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So faith can never be realized in the sensual realm, right? So, I mean, think about this. Why are you here tonight? Why do you find yourself continuing to come to church? Why do, you, why do you pray? Why do you spend time in the scriptures? Why do you hang around other believers? Because it's a, it's a reminder of what we're focused on. It helps us stay focused on the real thing. That is that we are not citizens of this world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. And when we come and have a little gathering like this, this is like a little bit of piece of heaven a long way from home. Hallelujah, because forever and ever, at one point in time, Jesus Christ is going to return, and all of us are going to be gathered together, and all of us are going to worship him, and all of us are going to glorify his name through the ages to come. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. So we forget. There's this motion of forgetting. There's There's this action of focusing. Now watch, I press toward the goal for the prize For the prize. This has to do with finishing what you started. Everybody say finish. You don't get the prize unless you finish. Amen. There was a young fellow that lived in a small community and he wanted to be a journalist. But uh, in that little small town, there just wasn't really much possibility for the kind of job he wanted. And one day, the the dam upstream broke and, and the town was flooded. So he got on a rowboat and began to head out to look for a story. He found a lady sitting on the roof of a house, and so he tied up the boat and told her that uh, he was there after a story. And so they sat there together, and they both watched as various items floated by. And she would say, well, there's a story. He'd say, no, that's that's not a story. Until finally a hat floated by. And it went a few feet, and then it turned 180 degrees and came back upstream. And it turned 180 degrees and went back down again. And he said, now there's a story worth talking about, worth writing about. She said, that's not a story. That's my husband, Bill. He said he was going to mow the lawn come hell or high water. (laughs) You have to have this thing called tenacity. You have to have this determination, this grit when it comes to the finish. Hallelujah. You have to determine that you're not stopping short of that finish line. Come what will, come what may, you are going to cross that line. Amen? And, and, and there, will, there will be others that won't understand what the heck you're doing. But you cannot be dissuaded or persuaded by men's opinions or the philosophies of this world. You have to be determined by him that is greater in you. And by that prize that is ahead. Early in his career, Vince Lombardi, the Hall of Fame football coach of the Green Bay Packers. Is that coach or Packers you're rooting for? Matter of fact, those who win the Super Bowl, they win the Lombardi Trophy. But at one time in his football career, he knew very little about football. 
Thomas Edison's teachers gave up on him and said that he was too stupid to accomplish anything. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before inventing the Model T. Beethoven's music teacher once said that his chances of ever being a successful composer were hopeless. And Albert Einstein performed so poorly in his high school courses that his teachers actually encouraged his parents to pull him out of school. Thank God that people and problems didn't stop these guys from being who they were and doing what they did. See, getting the prize is the reason that you forget what is behind. Getting that prize is the reason that you are reaching forward to what is ahead. It is about the finish. And ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be tempted to give up on finishing. That's a fact of life. The prize that is before you will seem elusive at times and very difficult to achieve. You'll get tired. You'll feel alone. You'll have setbacks. But be determined to finish. Because the prize is greater than the pain. The prize is greater than the problems. Greater than the people. It's worth the push. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth another day getting up and doing it again. Because that prize is Jesus Christ himself. You know, you don't ever celebrate quitters unless they quit smoking, I guess. But <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't find inspiration in those who gave up. Finishers are forgetters. Finishers are focusers. Finishers don't run their race dependent upon how they started. They don't run their race to just set a good pace. They run their race to cross the line. They run their race to get the prize. And it doesn't happen by accident. Finishers don't get all the breaks. They don't just stumble across the finish line because everything worked out good for them. Finishers are determined to get across that line. They do it intentionally. They do it on purpose. They do it one step at a time, one right choice after another choice. Amen. Hey, by the way, you have help to finish because he who began, as we saw in Philippians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 6, he who began a good work in you will finish that work in you. Yes. You serve a finisher. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, his last words on that cross were, it is finished. Yes. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Look at verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Mature people are forgetters. Mature people are people that are focused. Mature people are those who finish. All right? Let as many that are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. And look what he says in verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. I love that about the Apostle Paul. He was not afraid to tell people to follow him. He was not afraid to tell people, if you'll follow me, I'm going to take you right to Christ. 
right? I want to live my life in such a way. I want to be such a bright light. I want to, I want to blaze such a clear path that people can follow me and go all the way to God. Hallelujah. That, they're, that I don't take them off course, that I don't, I don't make, them, make them confused, and I don't hurt them, but I take them all the way to Jesus. That's all determined to do that. And we can do that when we follow a guy like this, right? We follow him. We'll look behind us, and there'll be people following us. Amen. Because what's the saying? You cannot truly lead unless you are following first. For many of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, there is an everlasting destruction. There is an everlasting destruction for those who reject what Jesus has done for them. There is an everlasting destruction. But let me say this. It was not created for them. The scripture clearly teaches us that hell was created for the devil and his angels. Never says it was created for men. God had no intention, no plans for man going there. Men choose to go there. God has prepared heaven for all. But men choose to go to a place that they were never created to go. Or it was never created to receive them. Because there's another scripture that teaches us that hell is expanding. They're having to continually expand. Why? Because people that don't belong there go there. Uh How wide open is heaven? See, God wants everybody. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Everybody has reservations there. Everyone's names are written there. There's only one way to claim your reservation. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus claims your reservation and gets your seat at that table. So when you show up there and say, I'm here because Jesus invited me. He got me here. I tried to be good enough, but I saw that I was not measuring up at all. When I saw how good he was and how good, no, I wasn't good. My goodness didn't even come close. I realized I needed a Savior. I needed him to give me. He was the only one that could get us there. Hallelujah. What a great thing. What a glorious gospel. What a love that we have from our Father. But this is what Paul says. He says, I tell you, now even weeping. Their end is destruction, whose God is their belly, or that is their fleshly appetites, and whose glory is in their shame. Those things that they should be ashamed of, they glory in those things. Who set their mind on earthly things. This is just, this is broken Adam in the earth. Who needs to know about that second Adam. Or last Adam. The last Adam. One man, by one man's disobedience, death came to all. Much more, those who receive the gift of grace. Hallelujah. Receive the gift of righteousness. Will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. 
This is why we have to get the message of Jesus out more than the message of the brokenness of Adam. Right? I don't think men need to be empowered more in their sin by us continually telling them how sinful they are. They need a way out. They need something to look up to. They need a message that will pull them out of that sin. And there's only one message that will pull them out, not telling them, you are so sinful. No, the message is, he is so gracious. And there is no sin that can exceed his grace. Glory to God. And all you have to do is believe it. I love that. And that faith in God, faith in God, true faith in God, is what we are saved by and it is what we live by. For our, citizen, for our citizenship is in heaven, verse 20, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to get a new body. Hmm? Aren't you glad you're not stuck with what you got right now? Right? Aren't you so glad? Man, people are trying to fix their bodies up, Botoxing, lifting, cutting, stretching, doing whatever they can to glorify this body, but man's attempts are futile, right? But he will, watch, will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And that right there will be the end, that will, be the, that will be the pinnacle of our salvation experience. We have received our salvation in the spirit. We are working out our salvation right now in the soul, hallelujah, by our mind, our will, and our emotions. But someday we will receive the fullness of our salvation when we receive that glorious yeah. body. And every dimension of man will be saved. Every dimension of man will be renewed and restored and made right. Yeah. Glory to God. But until then... Forget, focus, and finish. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I want to say thank you for this time together. Thank you for your everlasting word. We honor your word. We thank you that our lives, God, are, we hang on your every word. We need it, God. It's how we grow. It's how we mature. It's how we have understanding. It's how we know you. It's how we understand what you have given to us, these great, these exceedingly great and precious promises through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I'm asking you now for your grace to be upon all those that are in this room tonight. All of you here in this room are at some level of relationship with God some of you might not even have a relationship. Some of you have a little bit of a relationship. And some of you are very serious about your relationship with God. Wherever you find yourself tonight, I want to encourage you. First, those of you who might be here tonight who have no relationship with God, you've never started at that starting point. You've never simply believed that Jesus died for your sins. You've heard that message, but you've never accepted it for yourself. Believe that he died for your sins and that he was put in a tomb and that three days later he rose from the dead. That's where it all starts. You have to understand that your faith must be in him and him alone for you to receive a new life, for you to know that heaven is absolutely your home. 
He is the assurance of heaven. He is the assurance of peace with God. So I want to ask you first, tonight, believe on him. Believe on Jesus. Don't live one more moment of your life void of your relationship with God. Because there is only one thing that can fill the void that you feel, especially when you're alone, especially when you are alone at night, and that darkness seems to haunt you because you don't have that peace. But you can. You can have it. You can know that you know. Jesus Christ loves you. And if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Eric, that's me. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus tonight. I want that first start. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to know. I need assurances in my life. I need him to be with me. I need that peace and that fulfillment that nothing else in this world can seem to satisfy. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, if that's you, between you and me and God, if you would just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to be safe tonight. Anyone here? All right, maybe you're here tonight and you simply are just at a small level of relationship with God. You, you believe on him, you've accepted him, but you have continued to live your life for yourself. Some of you are stuck in this unforgiveness. Some of you are stuck spinning your wheels in remembering those things which are behind instead of letting those things go. And if that's you, I'll pray for you. Just raise your hand. I'm here to pray for you. Amen. God bless you. Bless you. Father, thank you for those who have raised their hands now. Bless them. Let your grace be upon them, God. They belong to you. And I thank you right now for just a change of mind, a change of heart. Lord, to let those things go. Lord, help them understand. Let your grace and peace be multiplied to them so that when they walk out of here tonight, they can know, I made a determination to forgive. I made a determination to let it go. I made a determination to walk forward. So, Father God, their feelings... Whether they come and go, Lord, they'll stay strong in that decision. They'll stay strong in that faith, hallelujah, that they are moving forward. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Lord, I declare now, grace and peace be multiplied to everyone here tonight. I declare your word that says, no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. For you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful gathering of believers, that you are with them you are a very present help in time of need. Fill them with your joy. Lord, as they go from here, God, may they go in the joy of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I thank you that you give them that great gospel message that is in their heart, that is in their mouth, God. And Lord, I, I release them tonight to do the work of the ministry that they are equipped for. Let them be bold and strong and confident in you, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.